Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today's topic, we're going to be starting our multi-part series on adding depth to your encounters, and we got a little bit of a backstory to this set, so we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, we want to start off by taking roll call, though. My name is Jerry, aka Frieden, host and moderator for the show today. With me in the studio is Jared, aka DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Okay, uh, I'm going to fight. No, no, I'm going to roleplay. No, I'm going to stealth. No, no, I'm going to seduce it. All right, so Ed is jumping right into our first option for deepening encounters. We are talking about taking multiple paths different approaches to encounters and options to open up to your players. Um, before we get into this, this whole series on deepening encounters started with us coming up with the idea for the topic, deepening encounters, and then everybody came back with a different way of adding to the encounters, making them more rich, more full. And we decided that we could pretty much do an episode on each one. So we're starting with Jared's suggestion, which was talking about different options for your players presenting them with encounters that are built in have multiple ways for them to get around and through it so jared would you like to actually uh, start us off since this was your idea sure yeah so i mean basically the concept is i mean as we all know you know you run in a, you plan an encounter and the players will typically side rail you somehow anyways right. um but if you it's it's nice to actually have multiple uh, paths or multiple options on how to handle an encounter planned ahead of time. Not just so you're not making it up on the fly, but also just so you, you have that intent there. So that way, because if you have it planned, then you kind of present it a little bit differently. Typically, instead of just uh, there's two centaurs at the, the gate, you know, you could be like, okay, there's two centaurs at the gate. They're chit chatting, talking, blah, 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 blah. You know, this is going on. You, you present, you, you typically will just describe it and present it a little bit differently. So instead of just, okay, well, we have to charge and go kill the centaurs, maybe they can, again, they can go up and talk to the centaurs, talk their way past them, they can stealth past them, you know, they can maybe instead of stealthing past them through the doors, they can actually just avoid the door entirely and go scale their way up the tower and on the outside, they're just having multiple... As Ed mentioned earlier, they could seduce the centaur. That's right. Like you... Yeah, maybe you have a char- <laughs> maybe you have a, a character with some uh, fairly equestrian features. They should uh, go try to seduce that centaur. Animal handling, I, actually. If, <laughs> if we're on the same page, he's actually referencing a specific encounter yeah. that we absolutely did not handle in a planned method. Oh yeah. Um, no. Well, what's funny is actually huh? um, it was handled in exactly the way I planned them to handle it. But they all thought that they were side railing me. (laughs) I actually had every intention of them diplomacing their way through the the scenario. But fighting was another option. They all chose to talk their way through and thought that they were like, ha, we didn't fight it. There you go. Ooh, showed you. And I'm just like, that's exactly what I wanted. We bluffed the centaurs into believing that we were there to inspect the castle. And we were there as basic as 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 essentially like Ghostbusters. Right. And, and talked our way in, yeah, that way. 
Yeah. I mean, their, their story, obviously, I didn't have planned, but them, them talking their way through the door is exactly what I like. I'm like, okay, I want to present them with an opportunity where they can fight if they want to, but they can also, you know, talk their way through the gate. And they chose to talk their way through the gate. So that's another one of those things where, like, maybe I presented it a little bit differently than I might have if I had planned for it to be just an encounter. Like, I, I don't have that particular episode recorded, I don't think, to go back. and But I just, I feel like if you have other intent then you're going to, whether you realize it or not on a subconscious level, you're going to present it a little bit differently that the players, whether they realize it or not, are going to pick up on. Cause almost every time that I've have planned for an encounter to be dealt with in another way, other than combat, they have actually dealt with it pretty much exactly the way that I had hoped that they would. Yeah. It might, it might be a subconscious thing that, yeah. that, that you do. I feel like I do that sometimes as well, where I'll expect them to do one thing and then they'll, you know, like I'll expect my group to do one thing, sort of hoping they'll do another and they'll do the other thing. So maybe I'm using a different tone. Yeah. So that might be something to think about too. Uh, if you, if you feel like that happens to you, try to figure out what different tone you're using and either sort of neutralize that to maybe give the players more of sort of an option or use it to your advantage. You know, if you think, Hey, I really, you know, this, this session hasn't gone very role playing esque. It's been all hack and slash so far. I wanted to role play a little bit. So maybe I'll try to use that tone to get them to role play against this, whatever this encounter is, assuming it's, you know, not just an ogre jelly or something. Yeah, and sometimes it might be an option of, of opening up and offering it to the players, you know, rather than the, you know, just having something come out and attack, you know, maybe the bandit jumps out and with his sword drawn and says, you know, hold, stand where you are and face me. And yeah. now they can jump right into to a fight and that would be perfectly logical or, they can talk back. You know, this guy started talking to them. Now they can talk. Now they can start, you know, role playing or, you know, diplomacy or bluff or seduce their way through this encounter. Right. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I think, I think a lot of it is just, again, if you have other intents or options or paths planned out in your head ahead of time, you, you set the scene, you present it differently. Like yeah. whether you're realizing it or not, like, okay, well, again, with those centaurs, I could have just been like, there's two centaurs at the gate. Yep. More than likely, they're going to be like, all right, well, he, apparently there that's all the information he gave me initially anyways. Um, I guess I'm going to go fight these centaurs. But, you know, there's two centaurs at the gate. They're currently, they were just, I remember them having a conversation. I don't remember what it was about, but they were, they were sitting there chatting about something. One was obviously a little bit dumb. You know what I mean? One of those right. kind of situations like, oh, hey, this guy doesn't seem so smart. They're over there chatting. Maybe we can go over there and chat and maybe talk, the, at least the dumb one, yeah. into going along with something. I think they were actually talk, talking about like keeping an eye out for us. Yeah. And then we went over there and bluffed that, no, we're not the people you're looking for, but we're hunting them as well. Yeah. These are not the droids you're looking for. Right. <laughs> I actually recently in a game I was running, I had two, uh, specifically two encounters that were very much like this. One was in sort of in the middle of a dungeon and the other one was uh, um, a random encounter, essentially. Uh, in the dungeon, they were sneaking up, trying to get through a door, but they could hear two people kind of chatting like they were playing a chess game on the other side. So they decided to dress up as the the people they were infiltrating and just sort of walk in, and they did. And they kind of sat there and watched the two uh, guards, you know, protecting the room of sleeping uh, uh, bandits, um, just watch them play chess for a bit and sort of use that to slowly get into position and ambush them, which I thought, okay, cool. That's sort of why I put that in there. Well, I mean, the first, first rule of infiltration is confidence. Yeah. In a modern game, a clipboard and determined look will get you almost anywhere. <laughs> uh, it, it, then uh, the next session, um, they were out on a um, random encounter and I decided, well, one of the characters, uh, 
is a half orc. And I kind of wanted to throw an Etten at the group just to see what they do. So I decided that he heard in the distance uh, two orc voices arguing at each other. And then when he went to investigate, he saw it was a was an Etten. And I was really wondering like how, how the group would go along with this. I had already decided if that orc character or half orc character had decided to go role playing, the Etten would have been totally fine with it because they're, they, they can be okay with orcs. They don't mind orcs. Um, but, uh, they, you know, they ended up going off and just trying to fight it and kill it, which was still a fun little fight, but, um, you definitely want to try to add those layers to your encounter so that not everything is hack and slash. I mean, I guess if you have a group and that's all you do and that's all you want to do, that's fine. But then you might have other players who maybe want to do a little more. Well, this kind of, this kind of ties in with the conversation that we had in the pre-show when we were kind of talking about this with the Minotaur at the gates, um, because too many groups, We'll put it in as the objective is to kill the Minotaur to get access to the castle, except the objective is get access to the castle. If they kill the Minotaur, that's a way in. If they avoid the Minotaur and climb the gates, that's a way in. Mm -hmm. If they go through the back door or somehow sneak their way in, that's a way in. They pay the Minotaur off. If they bluff their way past the Minotaur, if if they use a spell to bypass it. They're still getting into the castle, which is the goal. They should be getting, you know, full XP, full credit for handling the encounter, even though it didn't turn into a fight to the death. Right. Yeah. And I think um, one of the important things for like when you're planning these alternate paths is to look at your party and how they're built. Look at what the characters are meant to do. Like, again, with that centaur situation, we had several high charisma you know, like uh, socially you know, statted out characters. So I didn't want it to be all hack and slash all the time because there had been a lot of hack and slash up to that point but there had been some role playing too and that was also a case where you had high charisma characters that hadn't had a lot of chance to do a lot of the charisma social interactions exactly so you know and i wanted to offer that opportunity so that was one in that particular that that day's worth of session like that opened up with they were able to bluff their way past the guards and then there was a social big social interaction at the end uh, where there was just a lot of role playing and social interacting and and Jerry still doesn't like how that session ended, so we're not going to dwell on that for too long. Um, <laughs> you see him rolling his eyes over there. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the most bastardly moment of my DM career. But, again, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> I, I feel like we already have talked about it once. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure we have. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, but you look at the party. So, if I had a, you know, if, the, if no one in the Man, party. got cold in the studio real quick. Yeah, there's a chill going down this path. <laughs> But if no one in my party was like socially based or, you know, or like not charisma based characters, no, no heavy social stats, I wouldn't probably have worried as much about setting up that encounter. You know, if there was mo- like several were stealth based, I would have been OK. Like I would have geared it a little bit more towards like you can fight or you can stealth by it, which stealthing by still would have been a perfectly valid, valid option. But again, I might have presented it a little bit more, di- you know, a little bit differently right. so as to kind of encourage or, or suggest or push that other option of like well maybe you can sneak past them but then there's also the concept too of if your party is heavily stealth based then that should be one of the first things that comes to their mind too you know what i mean like that's going to be partly on the party if they're more socially based like that particular group was then that's going to be what comes to their mind well i got a good persuasion i can go talk my way past them if they're stealth based i got a good stealth or i can go invisible at will or i can you know pass without trace mm-hmm. That's going to be what's going to be kind of towards the, the front of their head. And that, that also comes down to as a DM, know your, know your party, know your players, know what they like to do, know what they're capable of doing. And I, I think that I would like to think at least that if you offer players a chance to do something different, I think a lot of them are just going to jump at, at the at the option for variety. 
you know, I, we've been hacking and slashing, you know, here's a chance to do something different. There are going to be people who are like, we've been hacking and slashing and now we get a chance to hack and slash. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and also, even if your group isn't really decked out for uh, social interactions, that doesn't mean you can't still let them do it. You know, one thing to keep in mind is the, uh, Jerry, you always say some sort of quote about the dice dice rolls are only there if the GM wants them uh, to be. Uh, is that um, a Gygax quote? The only reason a dungeon master needs to roll the dice is because he enjoys the sound that they make. That's right. And so if you're, you know, if you're low charisma characters are make you know, the players are making an effort to try to, you know, pass their way through, then, you know, that's one of the things you can sort of take into your own hands. Okay. If you want to be shifty about it, sure. You can roll a die, you know, behind your hand or behind some sort of cover and then, Oh, okay, cool. You know, just no matter what you roll. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You guys succeed, you know, or just or, say, yeah, you convince him or without dice rolls or let your players roll and it'd be like, oh, I want to make a persuasion check to get by this guy. And they roll and they're like, oh, well, I got a 17. 17 is pretty good. I guess, I guess you made it. No, no. And definitely letting them roll is, is something you may want to do. But the only reason I suggested other ways first is because sometimes you, you say, okay, go ahead and roll. And they roll like a two. Like right. they just had a really good, you know, idea. They explained it well, you well, know, and, th- and that, and that kind of comes back to, and also you want them to succeed. So know, in that case, maybe you don't have them roll. The low roll doesn't have to be a failure. Um, you know, you could say, oh yeah, we're here to ins- inspect the troops and they roll and they get a two. The guard could go, wait, we had an inspection just last week. So not necessarily like, oh, you didn't know when the last inspection is, you must die. But instead just making like, wait, are you? what's going on here and force them to adapt to the situation and decide, okay, do we want to continue on this path or is this a good time to change tactics? Yeah. And if they adapt, well, give them a chance to make another roll, you know, then, you know, then when they roll the 15, it's not like you're just giving it to them. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, you also have the option of the party turning around and going, well, yeah, of course the last inspection was last week. We've moved to weekly inspections. Weren't you informed of that? And now all of a sudden, you know, maybe the guard is back. It wouldn't be a random inspection if we told you about it first. <laughs> yeah. So did we say random? We meant weekly. It's new. <laughs> <laughs> the The previous inspection was just a, a, a bluff inspection to, to put you off guard. Now we're going to see how you guys actually handle things when you don't think an inspection is coming in. One other way, too, that you can present things is maybe with newer players or younger players, you know, give them the description of the scene. Okay, you come up and there's you come up to the gates and you have uh, there are two centaurs in front of the gates or there's a minotaur blocking the gate to the castle or whatever the scenario is. I'm very heavy on the fade today. Oh, you know, we just mentioned it earlier, so it's still in my head. But anyway. So you mention that to your group and you say, okay, what would you like to do? Do you want to charge the Minotaurs? Do you want to try to sneak past them? Do you want to try to talk to them? You know, uh, guiding your players isn't a, isn't a bad idea. And in that case, you're, you're really just give, giving them the options, making sure that they're aware that you could, you can go around this multiple ways, you know, and give them that option so that they make their own decision. Maybe they do want to fight it, but. You're letting them know right off the bat, this it doesn't have to be a fight. Yeah. And your player your players will surprise you sometimes. I had a had a similar situation where I had uh devils guarding a corrupted temple. 
and my players decided like, well, we're here for an object. Let's talk to them and see if maybe, hey, we can pay and barter and make a trade. We don't need to get into a fight here. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a DM that, that surprised me mm-hmm. since this is a party that has been cleaving their way through most everything else <laughs> they've come across. Maybe devils were like, yeah, this is, this is where we draw the line. This is, like, we don't kill devils. <laughs> well, actually one of the, one of the quests they were on was they had to kill the lead. And they're just like, you know, they wanted us to bring back this, this, his crown as proof. Maybe we just pay him for the crown we go back. They don't get bothered by the town anymore. Right. So, yeah, I was going to say players will surprise you. Like no matter how many paths you plan out, like there's going to always be the, Hey, you didn't see this coming option. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. like, Oh, well, we're not going to fight. We're going to roll these barrels of oil at the Minotaur and then set them aflame with a flaming arrow and explode our way into the castle. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Dude, oh. I want to see a player do that now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> like, uh okay (laughs) i I always try when i'm planning to to plan for the options that i predict um you know if they if they try to fight x happens if they try to talk their way y happens if and have one at the the end it's like if none of the above then either a i improvise if it's something obvious like if they walk up and start talking to the person like okay then the person's going to probably talk back or just kind of improvise along that or I'll have something else to kind of move the storyline along. If they're not doing anything, I expected anything that's pushing things forward that I can react to something else will happen to cause happen to create activity that then the players can build from. Yeah. And definitely the more you sort of prepare for these outside the box ideas or even not even outside the box, just a or B or C, you know, or, or whatnot, you open yourself up as a GM to the idea of, all right, well, I'm going to throw a thing in front of them, but I'm going to make sure that they know that they don't have to fight it. They can try to get around it some other way. So even if, even if they come up with an obvious way, okay, well, I'm ready for that. But if they come up with a total, you know, strange, weird outside the box thing, well, I'm already preparing for them to not have to defeat this in one way or the other. So fine. You know, let them let them do their thing. And really, at that point, it just comes to your ability to sort of improv, go with the flow and be able to uh, give them, a, um, I guess, interpret what they're doing mechanically and effectively. Yeah, I mean, the more, the more paths or more options you have planned ahead, then the easier it is to tweak one of those to accommodate what they might come up with that you hadn't planned for, you know, the more prep you've done, the easier it is to improv. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of like my rule of thumb, you know, like I like to prep a lot of the foundation so that way I can easily, you know, improv the building, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And practice with that will make you a better DM. It'll, it'll make you be able to react to things, making the world more organic. It'll open things up for your players. The more opportunities they have to do something different. I feel like the more they're going to want to do stuff different just to see what happens. Yeah. Cause I mean, just like a child that wants to push the boundaries of what they can get away with. So do players want to push the boundaries of what they can get away with in a game? You know what I mean? And it's not so much that they're trying to, uh, you know, get one over on you. They just, they want to know how far that you'll let them go. You know, and if they never find the edge and that's almost a good thing, you know, I'm not saying they should be able to just all of a sudden just start pulling powers out of their butts. But, you know, if they're if they're being extremely creative, but like within the environment that you're setting, then more power to them. 
you know, if you had only planned for them to talk their way past the Minotaur or fight the Minotaur, but then they decide to pull like a Trojan horse and, you know, like a gift is presented before the Minotaur that he then brings inside the castle, you know, then great. Um, seeing, the, seeing the castle heist now is like an Ocean's Eleven thing. Like we're going to give you a present, but it's actually got the halfling rogue inside. <laughs> and I think another uh, important aspect for helping players know that they have these other options too is, one, like I said you know, uh, earlier, was you know how you set the scene, but also how you communicate the objective. Like we were very, we were talking about you know clarifying in the pre-show. Like the objective wasn't to kill the Minotaur. The objective was to enter the castle. Right. So if that's presented to the players that way, you know, like okay, you need to get into the castle. And then they meet a Minotaur guard at the castle gates. They will now think, well, we weren't sent here to assassinate this Minotaur. We were sent here to get into the castle. You know, if it was okay, you're walking along and all of a sudden you see this Minotaur and he happens to be standing in front of this castle. People are going, Minotaur, kill it. <laughs> right. So looking also, because we talked a little bit too about just different options players can take different routes, maybe just to kind of expect what we can expect their different options to be. And again, this depends on your player composition and, you know, player, player tactics, character builds and all that. Um, we've spoken violence many times as being the default, which unfortunately for, for Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of other role-playing games, violence does become the default very easily. Um, we talked about role-playing their way through, like using deception or bluff or intimidation, um, seduction. We've talked about stealthing past. Um, any other good options for um, getting through an encounter that might be a little different from the immediate? Well, it'd probably tie in with stealth, but using magic to get past encounters or obstacles that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Yeah. It might be stealth or, or, or uh, um, role playing sort of intertwined with that, but I guess magic could be its own category. So again, we keep using this example of the Minotaur in front of the castle. Maybe you just go up and tell you a suggestion, you know, you know, Hey man, you know, you're, you're looking, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make any fun of you or anything, but you're looking a little overweight. Maybe you should walk to the front of the town. Okay. And he rolls, he fails his save and yeah, you know, that's not a bad idea. And he just walks off. Yeah. Or good old charm. Yeah, or you just know. yeah, charm. Hey, or bud, what's friendship. up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make him your buddy. Hey, can you tell me about this castle a little bit? Looks pretty cool. Oh yeah, he'll tell you about the castle for a full minute. Hey man, you gonna give me a tour of this place? You said you're gonna give me a tour, right? <laughs> you're looking a little worn out. Maybe you should hit the gym. Get some mad gains on, bro. Yeah. Which one of you is Jim? <laughs> um, I think there's another option that it, that we as GMs sometimes feel like it's the least desirable option, but for players, it may be the most, and that is bypassing the encounter altogether. Minotaurs guarding the gates of the castle. Let's find the back door. I think it's different from stealth because stealth would be like, okay, we're going to hang on to the bottom of these wagons as they roll by, or we're going to sneak past. This is, well, rather than going there, we're going to go somewhere else that ultimately leads us to the same spot. Right. So I think bypass it just by taking a completely different set of options altogether. Yeah, I mean, uh, in my mind, that I I see that that was like I associated that with stealth in my head. You know, the whole like the Minotaur is here. Let's go to the side of the castle and scale the wall, kind of thing. You know, what I mean, just like subverting yeah. right. the primary obstacle, kind of thing. You know, that could also be using a spell. I'm going to cast fly. Yeah. yeah, 
and fly over the gates of the castle. Yeah. Again, I was going to say, like, depending on the level of, you know, the the game, like, especially, you know, with D&D and dealing with magic, like, and this one, you know, if the, again, if the objective is just to get into the tower, you'd have probably not a very good objective for a higher level game, but just like dimensional door or teleport. You know, you can just, I'm just going to walk through this thing and I'm going to be 300 feet that way and boom, I'm inside the tower, you know, done or the castle, whatever, you know, so. Yeah. You know, mid to high level magic can easily subvert things like that. But again, it's it's subverting the Minotaur. You know, I mean, it it, that could just be a mini objective on on a series of other objectives. And you know, that still could be fun. You could be throwing your characters a fairly low level encounter just to let them act like a boss for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. And players love that. You throw you throw a low level encounter at them, you know, here and there, and they're able to just get through it like a boss with all their spells and their abilities. It's it's something that pumps them up. You know, because D and D, and then you throw the Tarrasque at them in D and D and past editions, um, tended to have the diminishing returns for taking on lower challenges. Yeah. Um. So even though a character could stomp some orc, you know, a tenth level fighter could stomp down some orcs, they never really got a chance to. Uh, in a lot of the earlier editions, the fifth edition actually balances that out a bit better. Um. But yeah. Giving players something that they can stomp through a group they can run run rampant over, it's a good boost. It's a good boost for the players' egos. And it's yeah. still the same scenario where, like, you know, they, they still have multiple options. Because if they're a high enough level that they can easily subvert the Minotaur with a dimensional door or teleport spell, that means they're also high enough level that they can easily just, like, power word kill. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's still a choice where, like, do they or kill th- it? Or do they want to just easily, you know, so, you know to bypass the Minotaur? Or do they just, you know, go up to them and just say, you know, sleep? You know, or I'm going to teleport you somewhere else. Just go away. <laughs> or does the bard walk up to the Minotaur and say, hey, I'll trade you this gem. You let my friends in. Yeah. Right. You know, bribe, bribe the way past. That's yeah. that becomes an option because the high level party has the cash to spare. Right. Exactly. And, and and one thing that the uh, that might entice players to do that will actually be an episode that we have coming up which is adding story to your encounters. Maybe yep. a lot of people, you know, you throw a Minotaur in, into something. Well, Maybe the Minotaur has a name. Maybe he has uh, uh, goals of his own. Maybe he's got something going on. You don't know. His name is Steve, and he always wanted to be an accountant. That's it. That's the one. And uh, there you are going off on accountants again. Uh, I'm making a new running joke. But, you know, if if you do that, which we'll get into, then that might get your players to be like, okay, well, let's see how we can subvert this guy or get him to leave or just convince him fighting us is a bad idea. They find out Steve is the the continental arm wrestling champion and the barbarians like cracks his knuckles. I got this. <laughs> right. Right. I challenge you to an arm wrestling match. Winner right. gets to go inside. <laughs> That's actually a nice bypass. The, uh, the, I, you know, just the direct challenge. Yep. Not necessarily. We're going to, we're going to fight this thing, but just like you, you know, and me contest of strength. Yeah. You know, I win. You let us in. I was thinking, especially since we keep talking Minotaur, like if, if ever there was a creature that might work on a Minotaur might be one of them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or I challenge you to a race to the end of the maze. I'm a, you know, I'm a Minotaur, right? <laughs> I'm a Minotaur. Uh, okay. But we will not actually be running through a maze. We will instead be using crayons in these mazes on paper. <laughs> <laughs> First to the end wins. And, you, and then you have the Minotaur and the adventuring party sitting down on the drawbridge. 
yep. doing the things. cross legs. <laughs> he's, got his and, tongue, he's got his tongue stuck out as he's concentrating. Like he's and that's trying to color inside the line. And that's a perfect example of a deep encounter. Uh, <laughs> an encounter with layers. <laughs> and then you have the hobgoblins patrolling the ramparts, just like looking down at like, what is going on down there? You're right. I don't know, but I want to get in on that maze action. <laughs> Is that Minotaur writing a scroll? <laughs> and now we have gone onto the utterly silly side, which again, There's if your party's cool with, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. And it can even be a reward. You know, sometimes you're, you know, you sometimes you're going through the grind of, okay, every encounter so far has had to be a combat. You want to do something different. And then when the different thing ends up being like just ridiculously fun, yeah, like yeah. that's that's a blast and that can rejuvenate your group oh yeah absolutely you know? yeah if you can get everyone at the table chuckling you know you know just in a, a joint little joke a joint little like you know levity of the game yeah you've just yeah like you said you've just added another hour of gameplay to everyone's spirit <laughs> and a little a little bit of absurdity can also go a long way because of the fact that you have such serious uh, high stakes surrounding it. I yeah. remember we had yeah, a campaign where back to back encounters. Encounter one was uh, the barbarian going one on one with a displacer beast for much of the encounter. And then the next encounter involved a hostage negotiation that the barbarian walked through, picked up the hostage, and started walking out before people realized what was going on. <laughs> so you have, you know, a very tense, very dramatic situation followed by something that's amusing but made even more hilarious by the fact that it's right next to the struggle for life and death. And also again, like, you know, where we commented before, like, you know, where players want to push boundaries and you're, they're trying to find where the edges are by having those moments of, of silliness or, or, or extreme levity, then you're showing them like, those boundaries are very far off. (laughs) You know, there's a lot that can actually be done. You know, if you allow some silly moments and they're like, well, normally I want to propose this because it sounds kind of almost dumb, but he did do this thing where the Minotaur was coloring in a coloring book last time. So maybe this isn't such a dumb idea. And it can, you know, and maybe sometimes, you know, you, you're not necessarily shutting him down. And maybe it is kind of a little bit silly, a little bit out there, but other times it could like, dude, that's actually really cool. <laughs> you know, like that was an amazing idea that I never would have come up with. I never would have thought of sending, you know, the goblin to the moon you know, or whatever it is. Then you obviously haven't had enough time on your hands and explosives. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up there for today. Um, we have more of these options on making deeper encounters and we'll be coming back next week uh, to visit in on another one of the options. And we'll figure out what we're doing when we get there. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us today. Definitely feel free to give us any feedback, anything you might think on alternate routes for dealing with encounters or ways that you've dealt with some uh, curveballs your players may have thrown to you. You can definitely get in touch with us on Facebook to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on Twitter at GMS Studios. Also, patreon.com slash Game Master Studios, the option to go to if you really enjoy our podcast, want to support us, help us bring some more quality content, then we would appreciate your support. Uh, we do have the big announcement that's coming up at the end of the month. Um, we're going to be pushing that and we're really excited. We've, we've, we've known about the stuff in the work for a little while. We we're limited on what we can say until, until we get through to when we make the grand announcement and then everybody will know what's going on. So we're really happy about that. Look forward to that coming up here at the end of March. And 
We are back every week with new content. We will see you next time that we are in the studio. Thank you for listening.